H12, how are we doing tonight? That's good. That's good. Guys, we are, uh, man, we're so pumped that you're here tonight hanging out with us. Uh, I'm especially, especially grateful for those of you that, like, this is your first time ever to H12. We want to say a big welcome to you. Glad you're hanging out with us tonight. This is something that we do every single Wednesday from 7 to 8.30, and we are pumped that you are hanging out with us tonight. In fact, we've got something really cool for you. Uh, it's called our VIP room, and it's happening right after the service, right out those doors right there. So you and like the person that you came with, um, both of you are invited to join us there. And we're going to have a bunch of like free stuff that we want to give you, and I'm going to be there, and Scott and Sarah that you met earlier, uh, they're going to be there as well. So it'll be a lot of fun. I want to make sure that you are there for that. Uh, now, if you've been here for the past couple weeks, you know that we're in this series called Battlefield, and tonight is actually the very last week of Battlefield. I know. I know. That's how I feel. This is, this is it. Someone cheered for that, but that's okay. Uh, so this is, this is the very last week of Battlefield, but fear not because next week we're doing something awesome. Uh, do you guys know what's happening next week? That's it. The Halloween bash is happening. It's going to be incredible. You want to make sure that you dress up. We have, uh, I bought uh, a, a, a ridiculous amount of candy, and it actually came in today. Um, I think they had to fly it over because it was so much stuff, and I literally couldn't carry it all. So I'm going to need your help eating all the free candy next week. Can you guys do that for me? Can you do that? Yeah. So make sure you come next week with your, uh, with your costumes already. We're going to have a bunch of games. We're going to give away a lot of stuff, so it's going to be good. Now, um, for this series that we've been in, Battlefield, there's kind of a bottom line that we've been circling the past couple weeks, and this is the bottom line. Uh, the struggle is real, right? This is the bottom line. The struggle is real. And uh, even if you haven't ever been to H12 before and you're new or maybe you've only been coming a few times, like, you know this is true, right? Like, all of us have been in those situations where maybe you've tweeted it or you've texted it or you've, like, sent it to your friend or, like, an Instagram message or maybe there was, like, a picture or a video with the caption, the struggle is real. All of us have had those moments where, for whatever reason, life is not going the way that we wish it would go, and so we feel something along the lines of the struggle is real. And maybe for you, um, maybe for you at school, because no matter how hard you work, like you just can't quite seem to get ahead, uh, and like your teacher continues giving you a bunch of stuff to do, and you're like, hello, I've got seven other classes besides yours, and apparently she just doesn't get that, right? And then you've got that group project, you guys know what I'm talking about, with four other people that are supposed to do stuff but you're the only one doing stuff. You know what I'm saying? You're doing like five people's work and yet still your parents come up to you and say, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, right? And you're like, are you kidding me? And you're feeling the struggle because life is not going the way you wish it was going and so the struggle is real. Or maybe for you, it has nothing to do with school. Maybe it's just, just your parents, like just your mom or just your dad and you're struggling with them and you don't know why, but for whatever reason, every single word they say just makes you angry and you're upset and you're more emotional with them than you are with anyone else. And the struggle is with them or maybe the struggle is with someone that like you're dating right now or maybe it's with someone that like you used to date, you know, or maybe it's with someone that like you really want to date uh, or maybe it's someone that's like all of those things combined that you used to date, but you kind of want to date them and you're kind of dating them and it's complicated and you got that thing going on and you feel this, right? That the struggle, the struggle is real. Um, one of my earliest memories of a struggle 
is when I was eight years old. And uh, anyone who has ever been eight years old knows that when a struggle happens, it usually happens in one specific place. And that place for me was the playground. You know what I'm talking about? That's where stuff goes down, okay, at the playground. And uh, anyways, on this particular day, it was, it was recess, so I went out to the playground. And uh, maybe this is true for many of you, recess was like my favorite time of the day. When you're eight years old, that's like heaven, you know? I get to finally, finally do re- uh, recess. So I went out there, and I found out from one of my friends that there was a kid who was talking about me. Yeah. Bro, when you're eight years old, that's your world. You know what I'm saying? And so I was out there, and, and, and I start venting to my friend. I was like, look, I came on the playground to play around. I didn't come on the playground to get talked about. You know what I'm saying? And so I start venting about this kid. I'm like, this kid, I can't believe this kid is saying this about me. And by the way, I, I uh, removed the name to protect the innocent. It was a very sensitive subject when I was eight. So anyways, this kid was like talking about me, and I start telling my friend that I... I'm going to beat up this kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. That kid comes around. I'm going to beat him up. Straight up, I'm going to beat him up. Now, here's the deal. Uh, word travels fast on the playground. And so somehow my message got communicated to that kid. And so that kid came over to me, pushed me, and then basically said something along the lines of, you won't. Like, come on. You want to fight? Let's do this, okay? Now, uh, I'm not proud of what happened next, okay? I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to throw it out there, okay? My, like, the blood was flowing. The adrenaline was going. I was super upset. That was my whole world. And so I did what any American male would do when he's put in that situation. I ran. <laughs> I was out of there. I said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not having any of this. I came to play around on the playground, not do that. And so I ran just as far as my little eight-year-old legs could carry me. I was out of there, man. That was my struggle. That was my struggle. By the way, that kid was a girl, and, uh, and she pushed me, you know, and that's not cool. That's not cool at all. So I ran away from her. It's true. It's, it's a dark moment in my life, but, but it's true. But for me, man, that was the struggle. That was the struggle. And, and, and for you, I know that it's not just like something that happened on the playground. For you, you got like real life struggles because she's, she's gossiping about you and, and he's lying about you and, and you can't seem to get along with your parents. And last week, last week we said that in the midst of your struggle, it's important who you listen to, right? That, that the messages you listen to define the future you. And so the challenge that I laid out um, for you guys was actually to read through the book of Ephesians because it's important to actually listen to the right message. And many of you actually did this. This is cool. Here's a picture of just some, uh, some tweets that actually uh, happened uh, from many of you actually writing about the fact that you were reading through the book of Ephesians, which is so cool. I love, I love seeing this, and I love knowing that out there, many of you are actually connecting with God even when you're not in this room, because I'm telling you, that's huge. And I told you this at the very end of the service that I'm going to do the same thing. So I actually was reading through the book of Ephesians as well. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there was this one phrase that actually came up multiple times. It came up like two times in the first chapter, and then it came up a few other times in the other chapters. And this was the phrase that I kept seeing over and over again, in the heavenly realms. And if you read the book of Ephesians, then you probably saw this too. In fact, uh, at the very beginning, it said that God has blessed us. He's given us everything we need in the heavenly realms. 
And then later it says that Jesus himself is actually seated by God in the heavenly realms. And then later it says we're going to be sitting next to Jesus in the heavenly realms. And then it says that there's like authorities and there's rulers and there's all these other players in the heavenly realms. And then finally, it sums up everything by saying when you struggle, you're actually not struggling against him or against her. Your struggle is actually in the heavenly realms. It's in the heavenly realms. And what Paul is saying is that there's, there's kind of two realms that you probably know about. There's like the earthly realm. That's what you can like taste and touch and see and all that stuff. And then there's the heavenly realm. And that's what you can't quite see. And that underneath everything, there is a spiritual reality that you and I can't see. But our struggle actually takes place in that heavenly realm. And so not only is your struggle real, but you know this, right? The struggle is spiritual because it's taken place in the heavenly realms. And there is an effect to that struggle. There is, there is a result of that struggle. And even though the struggle has taken place in the heavenly realms, the effects of that struggle are actually taking place right here in the earthly realm. In other words, the, the struggle is spiritual and the damage is real. The struggle is spiritual. It is taking place in the heavenly realms, but the damage that happens as a result is here. It's right here, right now. Like even though the struggle may be invisible, the damage is very visible. And you know this, right? Like you've seen it all over the place. I mean, every, every broken relationship Every broken heart, every broken family, every loss, every pain, every hurt, every bout with depression, every anxiety attack is visible proof of an invisible struggle. That even though there is a struggle happening, and it's happening in the heavenly realms, and that's true, but the result of that, the damage is actually happening here. And this is why it matters that we talk about, that we talk about the struggle. In fact, there's some of you in this room that you may have already gotten here. I've already gotten here in my life where you know well the damage, right? Like you've already seen the results of struggling and you've seen families fall apart. You've seen friendships lost. You've seen people lying. You've seen hearts broken. And you've seen so much of that that finally you get to the place where you're just, you've had it and you are sick and tired of the struggle. And this is, this is what happens really in any part of life. When you get sick and tired of something, like when you've had enough of something, that's when you're ready to fight. Whether it's on the playground or whether it's in a war, when you get sick and tired of something, that's when you're finally ready to fight. And so for many of you, you've seen this spiritual struggle take place and you've seen the damages and it hurts you so bad that maybe today is the day that you've come to the point where you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm just sick and tired of this. I'm ready to fight against this. And so in this whole series, we've been talking about the reality of the struggle, right? That it's spiritual. It's not just physical. We've even talked about the reality of your enemy, that there is an enemy and he schemes and he lies about you. And there's even angels and demons on both sides that are giving you messages. But tonight I want to focus on one specific question and that's this. How do you fight a spiritual battle? Like when you're sick and tired of all the spiritual struggles, how do you actually fight a spiritual battle? Like how do you fight an enemy that you can't see? How do you fight a battle that's taking place in the heavenly realms? 
And this is what Paul concluded his letter with. And he actually answered this question of how do you fight a spiritual battle? So I want to look together at what he actually said in Ephesians chapter 6. So we've got Bibles down here. If you don't already have one, make sure you grab one. We've got a few right beside you. But we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 on page 1177, page 1177. And as many of you know, Paul was writing to a group of people that were struggling. Many of them were struggling to fit in. They were struggling to be known and be loved by God. Some of them were struggling with one another. Others were struggling with temptation. Some were struggling in their marriages. Others were struggling in their friendships or at their jobs. And Paul wrote this letter, and at the very end, he said, you need to know, you need to know that there's something happening underneath the surface in the heavenly realms. You don't see it, but your struggle is actually spiritual. And this is how, this is what he says in verse 12. He says, our struggle, right? We all know that we're struggling. We all know there's things going on. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not him. It's not her. Like, I know you think that because you fight with your parents that it's your parents. It's actually not your parents. And I know you think that because she's lying about you, it's her. It's not actually her. See, our struggle is not against him or her. It's not against flesh and blood. But here's who it is against. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, right? Our struggle is in the heavenly realms. And so then he goes on and he tells us what it actually looks like to fight He says, therefore, in light of the fact that your struggle is in the heavenly realms and you are fighting a battle that is spiritual, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And this is the introductory thought to how you actually fight a battle that is spiritual. And when Paul wrote this, he was actually tapping into a metaphor that everyone reading like totally got, like they understood it. It was a part of their life. But for us, there, there, there could be something kind of lost in translation um, because uh, the people of that time understood what a battle looked like. Many of them that he was writing to were actually soldiers. And if they weren't soldiers, they'd at least seen a battle like with their own eyes. They'd seen it take place. But for The majority of people in the room, uh, the closest you've ever come to a battle is when you play uh, uh, World of Warcraft, you know what I'm saying? Or like, um, what's the uh, Call of Duty, right? And you're like, I think that's a battle. That's close, but that's not quite what they saw. Like, they saw the real thing actually happen. And every person that was reading this understood that you, when you go into battle, every time you go into battle, it would be foolish to not put on armor. That every single person in any fight, when they're going to war, you got to put on armor. It would be the dumbest thing you could do to not, it just, it just wouldn't even make sense. No one would even consider going to battle without actually putting on armor. That would be like playing football without any pads or like trying to text someone without, without a phone. You know, it's like, it just doesn't work. If you're going to go to battle, you got to put on armor. And here, what Paul is saying is because your struggle is spiritual, because it's taking place in the heavenly realms, that your armor is actually spiritual too. That it's not just normal armor. It's not the normal thing. It's actually the armor of God. It's the armor of God. And then he lays out what that armor actually looks like. But before we go into that, I want to kind of give a disclaimer. Uh, Because when we talk about like what it means to fight in, in uh, like a spiritual battle, um, maybe fight the struggles that you've been having. I know there's some of you in the room that you would just prefer to like get out of the struggle. You would just prefer that you not fight at all. And, and you need to know this, that armor, uh, I think it's the next one. 
There we go. Armor doesn't protect you from battle. This is actually in your notes. Armor doesn't protect you from battle. It protects you in battle. That armor doesn't keep you from or protect you from battle, but it protects you in battle. And so if you're looking for a one-way ticket out of the struggle, like if you would just rather not struggle at all, and you're waiting for me to give you the answer for how you can not struggle ever again, I don't, I don't have that answer. And if you're going to look in Scripture for how you can just live an easy life and never have any struggles, unfortunately, Scripture doesn't give us that. I wish it did. I would take that every single day. And so the armor of God doesn't protect you from battle. It doesn't lift you up out of the struggle. It protects you in battle. And another thing you need to know is that whether or not you put on the armor of God doesn't keep you from the battle. See, because either way, whether you put it on or whether you don't, you are in the middle of a battle. You're in the middle of a struggle. And it's going to happen either way. And so the armor doesn't protect you from battle. It protects you in the middle of battle. And so here's what Paul said when it came to the armor of God, starting in verse 14. He said, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And this is the very first. He actually lays out six different pieces of the armor of God. And here's the first one. It says the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Next, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's the second thing. And then he says, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's the third one. Here's the fourth one. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. That's number four, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then finally, number five and six, he says, take the helmet of salvation. That's number five. And the sword of the spirit. That's number six, which is the word of God. And so as you're getting equipped for battle, there's six things that Paul actually lays out that we need to wear as the armor of God. And many of you, especially if you've like grown up in church, you might have like heard this. Maybe you like sang like a rhyme to learn the armor of God, or maybe you saw a picture of like a soldier and you had to point out kind of all the different pieces of the armor of God. But if you're new to church and this whole like armor of God thing is new to you and you're trying to like figure it out, then, then um, uh, that's why we have this next slide. This just kind of lays out all of the different pieces of the armor of God. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And the cool thing is when Paul was talking about the full armor of God, like every bit of it, he specifically said that word full armor because it's not like this is a salad bar and you can just kind of pick and choose which ones you want. All of these are necessary. That as you go into battle, you got to have all six of those. And again, it would be foolish to not have the armor on. Every single person reading Paul's letter knew that. And so he was saying, you need all six of these. And the truth is, I, um, there's so much good stuff here, and there's so much that I want to talk about. In fact, if we had time, I would list out every single one and tell you about what each of them means, because it's fascinating and it's really helpful. Uh, unfortunately, we, we, we just don't have all that time. And so I've actually just chosen three. Here's the three that I've chosen um, that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation the belt of truth, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. And the other three are incredibly important, but we just, uh, we would just run out of time. And so we're just going to talk about these three. And the first one, this, this, by the way, Paul mentioned this one first on purpose, um, is the belt of truth. Now, uh, when you and I think of a belt, uh, we usually think of the thing that like holds up our pants. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it just makes sure that my pants don't fall down. That's, um, that's why we have a belt. Uh, in fact, uh, this past Christmas, 
Catherine uh, for Christmas actually bought me like a really nice belt uh, from Gap. And maybe you think that's nice, maybe you don't. For me, it's nice. Most of my belts normally come from the thrift store. So Gap is kind of a step up, you know what I'm saying? So, so she got me this belt and it's awesome and I love it. But that belt serves the same purpose as a belt from the thrift store. And all it does is keep my pants up. You know, that's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of the end of the purpose of the belt. But a belt for a warrior, a belt for a soldier, someone who's putting on armor is way different. It's way different. Because see, what the belt did was the belt actually tied all of the pieces of armor together. In other words, if you didn't have a belt, it actually, everything would kind of fall apart. You wouldn't be able to keep all the pieces of armor on you. But with the belt, you're able to keep everything together so that all the pieces of armor fit in together. The belt was incredibly, incredibly important. And see, the same is true of our lives. If, if we have a belt of truth, like if we know what is true, then you'll find that your life is held together. But without that truth, your life falls apart. And that's why the belt of truth is so incredibly important. And, 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 and another thing that goes along with that is that uh, what you believe is true actually impacts all of your life. It affects every other part of your life, just like the belt. In other words, if you believe that something is true, it's going to affect your decisions, it's going to affect your thoughts, and it's going to affect your actions. The belt, what you believe is true, has impact on every other area of your life. Here's what I mean. Um, some, of, some of you girls in the room are, uh, you're dating a guy who is just a jerk, like he is. And uh, you don't have to point. If he's in the room, it's cool. Okay, don't point at him. It's fine. Um, but some of you are dating someone that you know is a jerk. All of your friends have told you he's a jerk. And you even know that he's a jerk. But the reason, the reason that you keep dating him is because you believe that there's no one better. And if you thought there was someone better for you, then you would dump him and you would go with that other guy. But because you don't believe there's someone better or there's someone better that you can actually get, because you believe that all of your decisions, all of your emotions, all of your actions are centered around what you actually believe. And because you believe there's no one better, because you believe you can't do any better, you stay with him. And you find that your life begins falling apart because what you believe is true. Um, there, there's some other people in this room that like you, you've, you've harmed yourself before. Maybe by cutting. Maybe even just through like self-talk, the things that you say. And the reason, the reason you harm yourself is because of what you believe. Because you believe that you can't be loved. And you believe that no one cares about you. And because you believe that, it affects every decision you make. It affects every action that you take. It affects everything that you think. All based on what you believe and your life begins falling apart because of what you believe is true. All based on what you believe is true. There's some of you in the room that like, like you don't really even care about God. Um, that you're just here because like your friend invited you and there's just like some people here that you like hanging out with. And if that's you, man, I'm, I, I'm just so glad that you're hanging out with us. 
And maybe for you, maybe for you, the reason that you don't believe God loves you is because either A, you just don't believe that God is real, right? There's no way that there could be a God. Or if he is real, I bet he doesn't care about me. I bet he's too busy doing other stuff. And so because you believe that, that affects every other thought that you have about God. That affects every other decision that you make. It even affects whether or not you're going to come back here because you don't even think there's a God. Because what you believe has an impact on every other area of your life. Because the belt of truth, what you believe is true, is either going to hold your life together or make your life fall apart. And so what, like, do you, do you know what's true? And not just like, do you know what's true? Like, let me go look it up or let me go ask a question or whatever. But like, do you know, like knee-jerk reaction style? Do you know what's true? Do you know what God actually thinks about you? Like, do you, do you know the truth that's in scripture? As in, like, like, do you have it, do you have it memorized? Is it like a part of who you are? Because if you know the truth, you'll find your life is together. But if you don't know, then your life begins to fall apart. And that's why he introduces the belt of truth first, because if you don't know the truth and you don't have it as a part of who you are, all the rest of the pieces of the armor are going to fall apart. It's the belt of truth. Here's, um, here's the next one, the shield of faith. Um, and, and you might remember that the context of this one, when he talks about the shield of faith, he talks about the like flaming arrows that are coming after you, right? And we actually have a phrase that we use, right? Like, like when one of your friends says something negative to you, what do you say? You say, shots right? Shots fired. That's exactly what Paul's saying. He's saying when you're in that moment, man, and you feel it, all of a sudden shots fired, right? You got, you got people talking about you. You got your parents talking about you. You got your teacher upset and your coach upset, and you got shots fired, and you got all these arrows coming after you. And, and, and usually what we tend to do when we get shots fired, we try to kind of dance around or we try to like study the shots or make sure like, I don't know, maybe that one's true. Maybe that one's not true. And so you're moving around. But what you end up finding is that the more you try to avoid or the more you try and just figure out things on your own, that you may dodge one bullet, but then you get hit with another. And every Roman soldier knew that if there's arrows coming at you, if there's shots being fired, you really only have one defense and it's not to try and move around. It's a shield. You need a shield. Because when there's more than one shot being fired at you, you need a shield. And then he says here, it's a shield of faith. Now, faith is a really like churchy word that we throw around a lot. And because at church we throw it around, it kind of loses its meaning sometimes. So I think we've forgotten a little bit about what, what faith actually means. So here's, here's a really basic definition of faith. It's just trust. That's all it is. So when you hear someone say, I have faith in God, all they're saying is, I trust God. I trust God. And so what Paul is saying is you need a shield. And by the way, that shield is faith. That shield is like your trust in God. So when shots are being fired and when things aren't going the way that you wish you could go, instead of trying to avoid the shots or instead of trying to figure out the shots, all you need to do is hold up your shield and say, God, I don't get it. I don't know why they're saying those things about me. I don't understand why all these shots are being fired, but... I trust you, but I trust you. And even though I don't get it, and even though I wish they didn't do that, and even though I wish my circumstance was different, I trust you. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite movies when it comes to like war is uh, the movie 300. I love 
I love that movie. And by the way, I actually uh, did some um, like did some hunting, and I got some videos together to show you from 300. Unfortunately, the movie isn't quite rated PG. You know what I'm saying? It's a little on the violent side. So every awesome scene that I wanted to show you had a lot of blood in it. So my bad. So I'm going to do my best to kind of describe one of my favorite scenes from the movie 300. And some of you that have seen this, you probably you probably remember this. Um, there's like there's the good guys and the bad guys. The good guys are the Spartans, right? The 300 Spartans. The bad guys are the Persians. And there's this one occasion where the Persians go up to the Spartans and they start talking smack and saying, look, we're literally going to kill you. Like, you guys don't even stand a chance. And as they're talking up the Persian army, they say this. They say, our arrows blot out the sun. In other words, when we fire our thousands of arrows at you, there's so many of them that you can't even see the sun. And then Leonidas, the leader of the 300, says something that's like, it's so unbelievable, I'm getting goosebumps just think about it. He says, then we'll fight in the shade which is like, oh, I'm ready to go right now, you know? Like, suit me up, put me in, coach, I'm ready. And so, uh, so he says that, and then 30 minutes into the movie, the 300 Spartans are like kicking tail, like they are just going after it. And then the Spartans look up and they notice that from very far away, the Persians have fired their arrows. And thousands of arrows begin arcing towards them. And sure enough, the sun gets blotted out. And then they go for their defense. And the 300 Spartans don't try to dance around and avoid all the arrows coming after them. They don't try to study the arrows and say, I don't know, maybe that one could be different or maybe it's going to move out of the way. Immediately what they do is they grab their shield. They don't even question. They grab their shield and hold it up and no one gets injured or hurt at all. And that's what we need to be doing. When shots are being fired from your best friend or your ex-best friend or the girl that you were dating that now like hates your guts and is talking about you or when your parents are fighting, when circumstances aren't working out, don't try and figure it out. Don't try to just avoid the issue. Hold up the shield of faith. The shield that says, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I wish this wasn't happening, but I trust, I trust you. I trust you. And then finally, here's the last um, piece of the armor I want to talk about. It's the helmet of salvation. And the helmet of salvation is, uh, I would argue, the most important piece of the armor. And the reason it's the most important piece of the armor is because of what it protects. Um, because you can go in battle and you can lose a hand or you can lose a leg and like, like you'll survive. But your head, <laughs> you kind of need that. And so the helmet is unbelievably important. In fact, no soldier would ever dare going out without his helmet because it's the one thing that's keeping him alive. It is his lifeblood. It is the thing that matters more than anything else. And what, what, what Paul is saying right here is that the main thing that you got to know is your salvation. Specifically, the main thing you got to know is how God has rescued you. That the most important thing about your life is the fact that you have a relationship with God through Jesus. And I think oftentimes, um, uh, like we should keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, like salvation because of what Jesus did on the cross should be the main thing. But too often we try to make our lives about just being better. You know, let me just, let me just try and clean up my act or at least try and convince other people that I've got my act together. Let me, let me just try and like make myself look really good. 
And for you, that's your helmet. Your helmet is, let me just try and be more moral. But the helmet of salvation speaks specifically against that. Because salvation says this, I don't have it together. <laughs> I'm messed up. Man, I've, I've, I've messed up more times than I can count. I'm ashamed of the things that I've done. I wish I hadn't done those things. And my hope is not that I would just one day get better. My hope is in the fact that Jesus died for me. My salvation has nothing to do with me getting better. My salvation has everything to do with Jesus on the cross dying for me. And that is the only hope that I have. That is my only salvation. That is my only helmet. That is the thing that's keeping me alive. That is the thing that's protecting my mind is the truth that I've been saved because of what Jesus did. That's what the helmet of salvation is. And it's important that we keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's what Paul is saying. The main thing's got to be the main thing. Your relationship with Christ, your relationship with God through what Jesus did on the cross is the most important thing. And we could talk about all um, six of these pieces of the armor of God, and I think it'd be really good. But again, we're kind of running, running short on time. But this is what you need to know, because you could know everything about all the pieces of the armor of God. You could explain it better than I could. You could memorize all these verses. But, but listen, armor only works when you put it on. Armor only works when you put it on. You could know a lot about God, but if you're not actually trusting God, it ain't going to work. Armor only works when you put it on. I had, a, uh, I had a cool moment um, about a week ago with uh, Zach Fleming, who's, <laughs> you guys are silly. I was like, what just happened? What did I say? And I, I get it. Um, <laughs> you even danced right there. That was good. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so about seven days ago, um, <laughs> There was, a, uh, there was a cool moment that me and Zach Fleming, who's the, uh, the like, worship dude that looks Amish, you know what I'm saying? Um, he, he and I uh, went to Chick-fil-A, which, like, I know, it's a big surprise. Um, they know me by name through the drive-thru. That's sad, guys. That is when you've had too much. Anyways, I, uh, we were inside, and we got to talk to a woman named Miss Judy. Judy. You guys know Miss Judy? Yeah, Miss Judy is... Uh, She's legit. Um, and, and, and here's what's cool about Miss Judy. Miss Judy is kind of like, she's kind of like a spy that I never really hired because she always tells me about you guys. It's so fun. And so, uh, and so she tells me, and, and it's all good stuff because obviously that's Miss Judy. She's like, they were so good this week and they cleaned up and they did this and they, um, and, then, and then this is what she does. I'm sure some of you have gotten um, uh, asked by her uh, where she'll ask you, what did you learn? Right, and, and she'll ask you, you know, what have you guys been going through? What's the series about? And uh, the good news that made me feel really great was that you actually knew the answer to that question. And so she knew that we were talking about spiritual warfare. She even brought up like, they said something about a one-day myth. And I was like, oh my gosh, I made up the one-day myth and now Miss Judy knows it. Like, that's amazing. Um, so anyway, she was telling me about how you guys had been telling her uh, about spiritual warfare. And then she told me what she told many of you. Um, that the most important thing is that they put on the armor of God. And then after she told me that, she said, every morning I put on the armor of God. And, uh, 
And, and you know, when she said that, I was, I was just too curious, so I had to ask her. I said, Miss Judy, what do you actually mean? Like, like, what do you mean you put on the armor of God? And then um, she began to recite this, uh, this, this thing that I've got right here called the Overcomer's Confession. And it's something that she memorized, put to memory long ago. And every single morning when she wakes up, she says it to God and to herself. And uh, I actually timed it. I was going to read all of it for you because I really wanted to, but it's too long. Um, it's about six or seven minutes if I were to recite it to you, which by the way, she did from memory. All six or seven minutes of this, she said from memory, but I did want to read some of it to you because it's so powerful. And, and, and I want you to picture Miss Judy just smiling and thinking, and she's got her eyes closed and she began to recite this. I said, Miss Judy, what does it look like for you to put on the armor of God? And she said this, she said, father, lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil. I will not let the, de uh, the devil take advantage of me and sift me as wheat. I trust in you alone to provide an escape from all temptations. My strength comes from the power of the Lord as I clothe myself with the whole armor of God, the belt of truth. I will fill my innermost parts with your truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Your righteousness will protect my heart for out of it flows the issues of life, the readiness of the gospel of peace gives me the ability to proclaim the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again to those in my path today. The shield of faith. I lift up the shield of, by the way, all of this from memory. She said this to me. I lift up the shield, of faith, uh, the shield of faith, which does not keep me from battle, but protects me in the midst of it. The helmet of salvation. I will shelter my mind from Satan's attacks of doubt, depression, and discouragement with the helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit. I will use your sword, which is the word of God, to defeat the devil. I am more than a conqueror through the blood of Jesus. I'm redeemed out of the hand of Satan. I'm cleansed continually from all my sins. I'm justified and made righteous through faith. I'm sanctified, made holy and set apart to God. I'm free from the fear of hell and death. I'm healed of sickness and disease and guilt. I am forgiven and all my sins are forgotten. And that is about a third of this. And she knew it all from memory. And every morning you can picture Miss Judy wakes up and she begins to tell God, Father, lead me not into temptation and begins to pray these prayers, which, uh, which, which by the way, um, these are about like about 30 or 40 verses of scripture that she has to memory that she says every day. Just like that. Just like that. And you can tell that as she's reciting this, it's not that she kind of knows the truth. It's not that she kind of has a belt of truth that maybe she knows, but she kind of needs to look up and let me figure. No, she knows it. She's got it to memory. She's got every single bit of it. And she knows what is true and her life is held together because of it. You can tell that she has the shield of faith, that she trusts God even when she doesn't understand what's happening. You can tell that she has the helmet of salvation because over and over again, she continues to say, my hope is not in me. My hope is in the fact that my savior died for me. That is my salvation. And so the question for you today is this, what piece of armor do you need to put on? That every piece of the armor of God is important for us to put on. And chances are there's some pieces of armor that maybe you feel like you're doing okay with, that you're learning. But I know there's other pieces of armor that you're like, I, I just don't even put on my helmet. 
Like, I try to live my day on my own strength. I try to make my life about me being better or me figuring things out on my own. And I forget that my salvation and my hope and my helmet is in the fact that Jesus died for me. It has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. Or maybe for you, the thing that you're not picking up, the thing that you're not putting on is the shield of faith. That you're not trusting God. That you've got shots fired from people that are your enemies or people that used to be your friends. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a struggle with a family member. And you're trying to figure out, you're trying to like figure out what's going on in your life. You're trying to guess at where the arrows are gonna go and if I hope I can avoid it. And you're forgetting that the whole time God is saying, can you trust me? Can you trust me? Because those arrows are gonna hurt you. Can you put up the shield of faith and just trust me? And I know it doesn't make any sense and maybe one day it will and maybe one day it won't, but I need you to trust me. Or maybe for you, you don't have the belt of truth and so your life is falling apart. And it seems like every Wednesday you come here and you're trying to like put on different pieces of the armor of God and they keep falling apart. And maybe the reason is because you don't know what's true. And your friend comes up to you and says, this is true, and you believe them. And then someone else tells you, no, 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 this is true, and so you, you believe them. And then you see something on the internet, and that must be true as well. And then your teacher says something, and I guess that's true. And the whole time you're forgetting that the belt of truth, the source of your truth is the word of God. And so maybe for you, maybe for you, what God is asking you to do is to memorize, to memorize what is true. Two, uh, two, yeah, two weeks ago, the second week of Battlefield, we talked about the lies of the enemy. And we said the only way to uh, combat the lies of the enemy is with the truth of God, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And for some of you, there was a lie that you believe consistently, and you've continued to believe it since then. And maybe God is saying, I need you to go back. I need you to find that verse of truth and memorize it. Maybe you're struggling with temptation, and you need to memorize 1 Corinthians 10. Which says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And when you, when you begin to memorize these things, your life is being held together. Maybe for you, it's from Ephesians. Maybe you were reading through Ephesians and there was a verse that like leaped off the page and you know that you need to know that. Like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What truth do you need to know? What piece of the armor do you need to put on? Because armor only works if you actually put it on. And it doesn't protect you from the battle. It protects you in the battle so that you can stand. And after you've done everything to stand. Let me pray for you. God, I... uh, I know that your word is true and without it, I am hopeless. And I know that salvation is where my hope is found. And it's found in the fact that you died for me, not that I've done something for you. And I know that when life doesn't make any sense and shots are being fired, that I can still trust you. And so I pray that these students would recognize what's the piece of armor that they need to pick up and put on and that you would tell them very clearly 
what that piece of armor is. And if it's truth, I pray that you would lead them to the verse of scripture they need to memorize. If it's the shield of faith, I pray that you would call out the arrows that are being fired at them and that you would whisper to them, trust me, trust me. And maybe for some students in here, they made their faith all about the good things they could do and the spiritual brownie points they could earn by having their life all together. And I pray that tonight those walls would be broken down and they would pick up maybe for the first time in months the helmet of salvation and say, I have hope, not because I've got it all together, but because my God does and he has saved me. And I don't celebrate the fact that I'm a better person than I was a month ago. I celebrate the fact that my God is bigger and he has saved me. He has saved me. So God, would you uh, encourage these students right now and let them know that the power they have to stand is not in and of themselves and it's not in H12, that the power to stand is in you. And so we want to sing to you. We want to stand in front of you. We want to stand against our enemy and say that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we will gladly pick up our armor and fight. And so we trust you, and now we give you our attention, we give you our affection, and we will worship you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.